RadioInfluence.com. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Well, Happy New Year and welcome in to the latest edition of the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs. Oh, it is Three Dog Thursday and we are here ready to kick off 2019 because it's NFL playoff time this weekend with the wild card weekend. So much to discuss on that front. And the weekend actually concludes with a college football playoff championship game that, oh, look, for a change, it's Alabama and Clemson playing for the 17th time in a row, it seems like, in the college football postseason. They will play for the title game at Levi Stadium, Santa Clara, California. So it's time to talk about all of these different games, matchups, the bowl games that are in the books, the NFL regular season that concluded, and much more with senior handicapper and writer, VegasInsider.com. Here he is. Happy New Year, Kevin Rogers. Happy New Year, TJ. It's going to be back for another year. And playoffs, national championship football is coming to a close quickly. Yeah, there's a lot to, to obviously try to digest and figure out. Before we get to the NFL postseason, which will be in the final segment with you, I want to kind of go back in time to what happened at the end of last weekend, not only college football, but the NFL regular season. And then we will move forward and talk a little bit about Alabama and Clemson, see if Kevin or I either won for Three Dog Thursday purposes, like those Clemson Tigers who at uh, at midweek right now are holding right around a six or six and a half point underdog to the Alabama Crimson Tide. All right, so uh, look, we could come on here. We never do this. We never try to mislead the audience. We never try to sugarcoat or tell you something that didn't happen. Uh, The games were two laughers in the semifinal games. First, Clemson uh, just demolishing Notre Dame 30-3. And even though Oklahoma made it interesting at times in the second half, it was 28-0 in the first quarter. Alabama never trailed in the game. Alabama never failed to lead by as much as double digits in the second half of the game. So there you go. The the Tide and Clemson set the matchup. So, Kevin, the question to you, uh, how disappointing was it last Saturday that there there really uh, there wasn't much to either game? I'm not disappointed at all for a couple of reasons. One, there is a reason why you had two double-digit favorites. You know, it's one thing if Alabama was a three-point favorite against Oklahoma, let's just say, and then they demolished them. It wasn't a game. We all knew these were going to be blowouts, you know, and – People questioned Notre Dame all year in spite of them going undefeated. They had three wins on their schedule against teams that normally go to bowls that stunk this year, FSU, USC, and Navy. So you had those. And, you know, Notre Dame should have been there because, again, it goes back to past Alabama and Clemson. Who was next after that? Who was next in line? And honestly, even with Georgia, I don't think they should have been in, not because of what happened in the Sugar Bowl against Texas. I just think they were unmotivated. I think that they were just like, forget it, we lost, we don't care. Texas is a good team. But uh, still, that's an embarrassing way for them to end things. That, that's not a reflection of them, but also they still lost two games. So it goes back to everything we had talked about, that you know UCF, even though they lost to LSU in the Fiesta Bowl, granted they were without their starting quarterback, that it would have been nice to even see UCF get a shot. And I know they lost to LSU, but still, 
you're telling me you would have gotten monster ratings for even UCF and Alabama in a 1-4 game? You would have gotten ratings for that? You, you would have had the whole country watching that game just to see what could have happened, even if Alabama beat them by the same score they beat Oklahoma. So I just think that you have Alabama, you have Clemson, and you have everyone else, unfortunately. I don't know who else could have filled those voids if it would have been Ohio State. But Ohio State had a bad loss to Purdue. And you know what? Ohio State could have given one of those teams more of a run for their money, but they were squeezed out, and this is where we sit now. And this is where we sit. And, again, I know the ESPN executives were, were up on the high buildings, that I like to say, hanging their head, uh, not understanding, you know, what did we do to deserve this. But, uh, look, I mean, there's a larger point that needs to be made. I, I think most everybody believed at the at the beginning, if not the beginning, the middle of the season, Alabama and Clemson appear to be the two best teams, and they're on a collision course once again. And neither one of them lost. As the year went on, neither one of them lost a game. So the only thing we really had was essentially verifying on semifinal Saturday, if you will, in the Cotton Bowl and the Orange Bowl, what we already knew. These are the two best teams. We put them on the field one more time against Notre Dame and against Oklahoma, but they are the two best teams. And I'll, I'll reference it in previous years where the BCS tried to get it right. They would always have an issue with, are these really the two best teams and how do we know? Well, at least in this case, there's no disputing. These are the two best teams, right, Kevin? I mean, you can't dispute that now with how it's played out. Obviously, no, but here's the point, though. You know, this is the problem. When we had the BCS, there was always years where we had this team was 12-0 and and then two teams were 12-1 and or 11-1, and and one team got left out in the cold. We saw Auburn go undefeated, and they were left out in the cold. And then we said, why don't we expand it? And now we're expanding it, and it's like, oh, well, we have two solid teams, two mammoths, and then two other teams, and why do we expand it? I'll be honest with you, I'm fine with it the way it is, because now, even though people may have think that, or they may have thought that we wasted our time with these two games this past weekend, now we know going into the national championship, you're the two best teams. There's no debate, there's no right. dispute, no matter how it ends, we know that. But you know what, you're not going to get two teams like this every single year. I think this is an anomaly. I think you're going to eventually get somebody else jumping up to the top or Alabama or Clemson taking a slight dip, and then you're going to have three really good teams going for two slots. We'll be back in that spot again if you're the BCS comeback. All right, voice of Kevin Rogers there a little bit later on. Nate Lundy will be with me from the uh, from the Denver area. Nate does a great job with MileHighSports.com, their site, their shows. He has his pulse on what's going on in the West. I want to talk to him about Alabama and Clemson and whether it resonates. And Nate's also going to have some insight on the Broncos' coaching vacancy. And as part of Wild Card Weekend, we'll get an underdog prediction from him later on in the show. We also want to tell you about one of our sponsors here on Three Dog Thursday, FanPlayoff.com, where you can play postseason fantasy football like you never have before and do it for free fanplayoff.com drafting right now as you're hearing us on three dog thursday draft your team for the postseason before those wild card weekend games begin rusty walker the ceo of fanplayoff.com will be here in a little bit to tell you more about that great postseason fantasy game how you can play uh, why it's different why it's fun so that's coming up a little bit later on in the show but one of the things I, I, I put to Nate Lundy, I want to put it here to you. How much is this helping or really hurting the overall product that Alabama and Clemson now meet for the title for the third time in four years? They meet, period, in the college football playoff for the fourth straight year. Does the nation care? Is there fatigue like the Warriors 
and the Cavaliers uh, with LeBron. Uh, Everybody got fatigued by that. We get fatigued by seeing the same teams in there, it seems like, whether it's the New England Patriots for the NFL. Is there fatigue for this matchup, and are they facing uh, a real challenge to have a lot of the country interested in this championship game next Monday night, Alabama-Clemson, Kevin? No, I don't think there's fatigue because – the Warriors-Cavs example you used, Golden State was by far the best team. They won three or four years. They probably should have won four or four years if the Draymond Green suspension didn't happen. That kind of turned the series around a few years ago. And you had LeBron on the other side. So you had the best team and you had the most recognizable players. So people still watch. This, though, Alabama won the first time in comeback fashion. Clemson won the second time in comeback fashion. And then Alabama blew them out last year. So really... You don't have one team owning the other necessarily. That it's been, I mean, it's two to one right now in the last three years. So there's really, this is an Alabama blowing them out every year. We're like, oh, here we go again. We don't know what's really going to happen on Monday night with these two teams. You say, how do we fix things in college football? It's easy. Just cut out a lot of these bowls. And I know it's never going to happen with sponsorships and TV. But like I've said to you so many times in the show, that college football is amazing. It's the only sport where every game matters except for your last game. That everyone's last game except for Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma doesn't mean anything. That, you know, for Georgia, it doesn't matter what they did in their final game. Just like it doesn't matter what Kentucky did in their final game, even though they had a great win over Penn State. It's still like everyone's still the same at the end. You, you know, you win, great. You lose, great. It doesn't matter. You move on except for two teams, basically. So I don't think there's a problem with it. You know, you just got to hope that the ACC gets better and somebody can beat Clemson. And you better hope that Georgia could hold a lead against Alabama. You know, and that would change a lot of things. And, you know, for Georgia to blow that lead to Alabama, you know, they're really spiraled out of control where they don't even show up for the Sugar Bowl. Well, look, I mean, I, you know, I've heard this, too, for the last two or three days as we're coming off the New Year's Day games about who's going to play hard, who's going to play tough. I mean, that LSU team obviously played hard, played tough. They're down 14-3 to in the Fiesta Bowl, and I had UCF on our show last week for Three Dog Thursday, and I thought, you know, it should have, could have, would have. After the interception return made it 14-3 to early on uh, in, in the game, the 93-yard interception returned by UCF. You're thinking, man, they may roll LSU here in this game. Great job by Joe Burrow, the quarterback, by their offense, uh, Brosette running the ball. Uh, LSU was down to three players, three three experienced defensive backs. They were having Kevin to use because of injuries and two players being ejected for targeting during the game. They were having to use a wide receiver and a backup running back at times to go back in their secondary to cover people. They still made it happen. So kudos to LSU because when you talk about motivated teams, they could have given up. Nothing to play for uh, per se out in the desert. They could have given up. Give, you know, Give Ohio State credit to the extent that they had a laugher for a while over Washington. Washington tried to battle back. And Texas, look, I mean, we talked on the show last week for the Longhorns. That That is an indication you're back on the national scene. Georgia's a good team. I, I don't buy into, well, te- Georgia didn't really care. By about the middle of the first quarter, they cared. When you saw Kirby Smart screaming at his team and the way they were trying to hit and play, they were trying to win. Texas was just better. So the bowl games are what they are. I agree with you. They're not part of a playoff system, but there were some interesting parts to some of these games over the last uh, week or so, and uh, now the college football season is down to the one last game. So with all of that being said, we approach the championship game Monday night at Levi Stadium, the home of the 49ers, Santa Clara, California. 
Uh, do you dare go to the Clemson Tigers here for Three Dog Thursday purposes, Kevin? No, not because I don't have faith in them, because I just right now I'm not ready to make a selection on that game. And I understand that doesn't really help us here, but uh, I am staying away right now from this matchup. And obviously, you know, you, you've seen what, what Clemson's done this year, what Alabama's done, and how both these teams have just rolled the competition and you know what you look at their first two matchups in national championship games that could have gone either way Clemson could have won the first one Alabama could have won the second one that they've been close that that that's one thing you can't take away I know that last year wasn't as close but this year or the, the first two times were very close and I mean we'd probably expect another close game but at the same time both these teams are very tough to go against well, and you look at Alabama getting out to that 28 to nothing lead against Oklahoma. I mean, we warned everybody about this last week. Give Nick Saban a month to prepare. I know Kyler Murray and Oklahoma threw for some yards, scored some touchdowns, good for them. But, I mean, that was just vindication and validation of how much better the SEC is that that game was 28 to nothing in the first quarter. There are no first-round knockouts in college football, but there should have been in that game the way that Alabama blew them out in the first quarter. Tua Tagovailoa, tremendous throwing the ball. I don't know that Clemson Clemson has not played, even playing Notre Dame, even playing Texas A&M early, South Carolina later, any of the ACC opponents. They haven't played an offense like Alabama's. So that's the, that's the real test on that. Alabama's played teams like Clemson repeatedly in the SEC, and Oklahoma was the champ of the Big 12. Uh, I think Oklahoma was even better than Notre Dame. So uh, just interesting. Also interesting that in the three matchups, Alabama has been favored in all of them, and they have failed to cover. Even even in, uh, well, they, they covered in the semifinal in the championship game. Alabama has been favored in the championship game in each of the last three years, and they have failed to cover. They did cover the semifinal game with Clemson last year, but that's just an interesting subplot here to that being a six or six and a half point line right now heading uh, heading into the game. So uh, again, I'm going to stay away from Clemson as well. I don't know how you pick against Alabama. I think Nick Saban and the Tide are going to find a way to win and to, and to scheme and to get this done. So. Uh, there are my thoughts on that. Uh, again, neither one of us are going to go with the Tigers for Three Dog Thursday purposes. Uh, a couple of more on college football. Uh, we, we mentioned Notre Dame getting whacked by Clemson last Saturday. Brian Kelly's name is now being bandied about again. It's about the third or fourth time at Notre Dame. Remember the year they played Alabama in the BCS title game? Everybody was talking about, well, Brian Kelly may go to the NFL back five, six years ago. Hasn't happened as of yet. Gauge it for me. Give me an educated guess. Kevin Rogers, would Brian Kelly end up going to the NFL? Do you think he wants to go to the NFL? What do you what do you make of this? Well, I don't know if he wants to go, but when you look at all of the firings in the NFL, I'm sure they're looking for new blood. Seriously. That I don't know how many times you can go to offensive coordinators and they fail. I mean, obviously these head coaches in college, they're still been head coaches. They still run things, you know, and a lot of these coordinators have not. So you got to wonder if there's going to be an influx of college head coaches becoming NFL head coaches. But also, again, it's a different, it's a different lifestyle, you know, that you're not, uh, you know, you're you're not having to recruit anymore. So that's a good thing. But also, you're sitting for 20 hours a day and, and breaking down game film and game planning and all this other stuff. But uh, still in college, and I hate to say it like this, it sounds very, you know, elementary to say, but Notre Dame 
basically get set for four or five big games a year, just like all these other big schools that you have a bunch of other ones you're just showing up for. I hate to say it like that, but it's true. Well, you know? yeah, yeah, this but is the, the appeal. NFL, the appeal is for Kelly, he picks his own schedule every year. They pick their own schedule on who they want to play. I mean, he has got as as cush a college job as you could have, high-paying, pick-your-own-schedule, and I think there's a there's an argument, exactly to your point, there's an argument, do you want to go get into the NFL where it's a level playing field, or in a lot of cases, you don't have the talent, it's not as level of a playing field? Uh, I don't know. I don't know that it appeals to him to to, to want to leave college football because he hasn't left up until this point. He's been at Notre Dame now for, for nine seasons. I agree, and, and also, too, it's, you know, somebody put this to me years ago, and they said, like with Nick Saban, when he left the Dolphins to go to Alabama, that you can basically – draft in a sense you know with recruiting you know 10 number one picks you know by having right. 10 five-star players where in the nfl you're stuck with the 15th pick or the 12th pick or whatever it is that you know wherever you go that's where you have to you know that's who you get where you know in college you can get as many number one picks as you want so really exactly why would you leave that and I, honestly i think in today's world i think man, college coach is easier than the nfl i mean when you see the job security and how bad it is in the NFL and in college, just don't screw things up royally for your school. You know what? You get a bunch of money in college. You're only playing a few big games a year. If you have the talent, you can roll through the other seven or eight. And I don't know why you would want to, why you'd want to leave. I think college probably is a better job than the NFL right now. And there are some recent college examples of guys trying it. I mean, Chip Kelly obviously very famously tried it, had some early success with the Eagles and had them in the playoffs, but eventually got fired there, went to San Francisco for one year. It was a disaster. He got fired there. So now he's back in college football. Pete Carroll is about the only recent success story. Remember, Jimmy Johnson's kind of the all-time success story coming from the Miami Hurricanes to the Cowboys. But Pete Carroll, here's Seattle in the playoffs again. But keep this in mind. Pete Carroll was an NFL coach, defensive coordinator, and Kevin head coach before he was ever a college head coach at USC. You could make the argument he was a pro coach coaching college football long before he came back to the NFL with the Seahawks. So... That's a that's a different dynamic. Brian Kelly's never been an NFL coach. He's never even been an NFL assistant. And I, I don't know why you would leave Notre Dame. Again, whenever you're hearing the show, maybe it's cranking up that he's in serious talks with an NFL team. I have to see it to believe it that he would want to leave. And that do you believe there's a college coach anywhere out there? There's speculation that Jim Harbaugh uh, because he hasn't won at Michigan, they may not want him much longer. He may want to try the NFL again. Is there another college coach you could see getting in on this current rotation of teams and maybe jumping into the NFL? Is there one, Kevin? Well, I, I, the only reason why I would say Harbaugh is if he wasn't at Michigan. I don't know why he would leave. And, and really, I get that they've underachieved. They have beaten Ohio State. But at the same time, you get rid of him. Who are you bringing in? Like, right. Like, who are you bringing in that you're getting that fired up about as opposed to this guy who really, you know, you look at famous alum, was a quarterback there, coached in the NFL. I don't know how much better you're doing by getting rid of him or forcing him out. And it's hard because really, you know, I don't know how many college coaches, you know, would want to leave that lifestyle. I, I really don't. You know, like Lincoln Riley, the guy from yep. Oklahoma, a young guy, that why you – know, I saw he, he signed an extension – why would you leave to go to the Browns? Let's just say, for instance, you know, it's Coach Baker Mayfield. Like, why would you want to go through all of that? Like, that's where, you know, take this college job and – you know what it is? Just quick, quick tangent really quick. That 
when you look at the NBA, all right, you look at what Brad Stevens did at Butler and an amazing job he did to bring them from like nowhere to the national championship. And then he went to the Celtics and Billy Donovan. I know he went to the Magic for like two days and then went back to Florida. But, you know, that he was there. They were there for so long. They already, I guess, uh, conquered their challenges. Even though Brad Stevens didn't win a championship, he still got Butler to the national championship two straight years, which is impressive. And Billy Donovan won a couple championships of Florida. That I guess the right situation popped up for each of them. And that's, that's where I guess these guys would have to find the perfect situation and maybe the NBA is different than the NFL, where the NFL, like you said, everything is so even that unless you're going to coach Tom Brady or you're going to coach Drew Brees, I mean, two guys at the end of the line, really, what job is that great? You're going to go take the Bengals' job? You're going to take the Dolphins' job or the Jets' job? Like, what? how is that better than what you're at now? And the Lincoln-Riley thing, I, I mean, I love this. Well, he's staying at Oklahoma. He's, he's getting the raise. I mean, all that's good for him. You know what solved Lincoln-Riley going to the National Football League the first quarter of the Orange Bowl. Because when you're down 28 to nothing like they were with no answers on offense or on defense, don't think for a second the NFL's not looking at that going, aha, because Nick Saban is an NFL caliber coach that you would be going against every week. So sometimes the best move is the one you don't make. Stay where you are at Oklahoma. I mean, Bob Stoops did that for years. Remember, Jerry Jones wanted to hire Bob Stoops back in the early 2000s uh, to come be there. There's a couple of other teams that wanted to talk to him. The Denver Broncos were trying to hire Bob Stoops at one point, and Bob Stoops kept saying, thanks, but no thanks. I'm good where I am. I'm going to keep rocking and rolling in the Big 12 with Oklahoma, and he did. So... There's something to be said for that part of it, too. David Shaw is a name that I keep saying, and I've said it on this show and other places, David Shaw at Stanford, and I don't know David Shaw. I I don't report. I don't dig for info from uh, from agents or third parties. I don't know how interested the Stanford coach is in going to the NFL, but he's got some NFL background uh, previously as an assistant. Uh, He was with Harbaugh as an assistant at Stanford. He's been at Stanford a long time. David Shaw, to me, would translate in the National Football League. They run a pro-style offense. Uh, Did you keep an eye on that name? Maybe not this cycle this year, but I think eventually he could be a guy to watch. Other than that, I don't know about college coaches that uh, that would make it at the next step. So there you go. So we're not going to take uh, Clemson against Alabama. So uh, let me ask you one more on that before we get out of here and move on on Three Dog Thursday. If it is the Tide on Monday night, Kevin, and it's another championship for Nick Saban, uh, Saban do we just go ahead and have to uh, anoint him and admit this is the greatest college coach that we've seen because he keeps winning the championship every year. This would be, what, like a seventh in the last 11 years if they get another one? Uh, if Alabama does, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't know really who else he can be compared to. And, and look, I, none of us were around for Newt Rockney. You know, you can't say, well, he's the great, like, how do, he's the greatest coach ever back in, you know, 70 years ago. We did I not mean, cover Bud Wilkinson at Oklahoma. That's correct, yes. I mean, it's like, and, and I understand that because, you, you know, you coach in the 50s or 60s doesn't mean you're not good. It's just it goes back to, you know, the same kind of players today, the same kind of recruiting, same things to deal with, you know. And, yeah, I don't love Nick Saban personally, but you can't take away what he's done. And, you know, in college football where somehow he gets all the best kids to go to Alabama and they've had better quarterback play, they used to win with game managers for all those years. He didn't even have great quarterback play. He had a bunch of guys that just didn't make mistakes. Now he's got – a quarterback that can play, you know, so that just makes them so much more dangerous. And yeah, I mean, in the last 
40-something years. I don't know if you could find anybody that's had a better There's record. There's not. I mean, Urban Myers won a couple of titles at Florida and won at Ohio State. Um, we mentioned Jimmy Johnson. A lot of people don't realize this. Jimmy Johnson won one college national championship. He turned Miami around, but he only won one. Schnellenberger won one, and Dennis Erickson won two of them uh, at Miami. So... Uh, you know, you look at other college coaches, uh, Pete Carroll again, only one true BCS championship. They claimed an AP version of the championship the one year when the AP voted them number one. When you look, uh, again, when you look at the totality of what Saban has done since he came to Alabama in 2007, it is staggering in the present day system how successful they have been. So if they get this Monday night, we will find out. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see how good of a game is it going to be. And Dabo Sweeney, by the way, is right there. Because if if Clemson wins this game Monday, one more comment, Kevin Rogers. If Cle- I mean, if Clemson gets the victory on Monday night and they find a way, that's two titles in the last three years for them. He has clearly brought Clemson back to prominence that they never had for sustained amount of time at the national level. we got to start talking about Dabo Sweeney, too, if they get this win. College football playoff four years in a row. The only team you would have lost to is Alabama. You beat Alabama the other two times if they win Monday night. I mean, let's see if it adds to the lore of Dabo Sweeney, right, on Monday. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny that he's a guy that it felt like was just an interim coach after Tommy Bowden got let go at Clemson. And Tommy Bowden was supposed to be the guy who was supposed to bring them back, you know. Right. And I just find it funny that he really didn't do much there. And then Dabo comes in, you know, a guy with kind of an odd name or nickname, and, you know, he ends up really, you know, turning this program around and has now made them the gold standard of the ACC after FSU was that for years with Bobby Bowden and even with Jimbo for a bit. And now they're not there, but Clemson is, is now the team of the ACC for, it feels like, the past six or seven years. All right, so let's see who wins that game on Monday evening. Again, Kevin and I staying away from it for Three Dog Thursday purposes. That means we've got three underdogs coming up for NFL purposes later on in the show. Kevin, stand by for that. Again, we've got special guests joining us and much more here straight ahead. As we continue, it is the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs. Happy New Year as Three Dog Thursday rocks on. Yeah, I need to get some insight, some knowledge, some breakdown from the Rocky Mountains and parts beyond. Nate Lundy does a fantastic job. He runs MileHighSports.com on the air, on the web, in Denver. And here he is with me in the new year. Happy New Year as we get ready to talk some underdogs and try to figure out who's coaching the Denver Broncos where you are, who's coaching the Buccaneers where I am, and parts elsewhere. How are you, my friend? I'm good, although if I were going to talk underdog, I would like to get out of this cold weather and into the warm weather. Could we work on that? That's yes. actually the one I'm more worried about. We will import some sunshine and some warm weather from the state of Florida to you. It might be a significant fee, but I think you would take it. Uh, yeah, while we're walking around in shorts and 80-degree weather, this is why we live here. This is why most of the bowl games are played in Florida or in the South, is uh, is for the weather. But you guys are hardened vets at this cold weather stuff and the snow and all that kind of that kind of thing. Come on. I mean, it's, it's Oh no yeah, problem. no, we're, we're definitely used to it. We're definitely used to it. And it makes, uh, it makes this tail end of football season. Interesting. Of course, the Broncos aren't playing in this tail end of football season, not a big surprise. Uh, um, so 
you know, it saves us from having to be outdoors. Now we can just go inside, watch uh, some hockey, watch some basketball, and get ready for baseball season to come back. Very true. So on the Bronco point of if they make the move with Vance Joseph, John Elway was adamant earlier in the week about getting this thing back to playoff caliber, Super Bowl caliber football. It is the first time in almost 50 years, 5-0, that the Broncos have had back-to-back losing seasons. Give me the temperature there, and I don't mean the actual temperature. Give me what's going on with Bronco fan. Are they on the high buildings? Do they have belief in Elway? What's what's happening, Nate? Well, I think there's a mix, TJ, to be honest with you, when it comes to Elway. There are those that, you know, that say that seven can do no wrong, um, and he's – uh, you know, he's he's such a legend here. The guy could run for governor, he'd win. I mean, it's just he could run for whatever he wants and he'd win because he's universally loved here because of his performance. But there's also a chunk of the fan base that recognizes that he's done a pretty crappy job at his job recently. Um, you know, they, they made it to two of the Super Bowls with Peyton Manning, obviously got blown out by the Seahawks and won, won Super Bowl 50 over the Panthers. And there's a lot of, um, you know, there, there's a lot of goodwill that you earn with that. But at the same time, there are a lot of folks that have said, look, you know, Elway was able to get Manning here uh, and put Peyton under center. But the truth is that it was Manning that basically did a lot of the rest of that stuff. Uh, it was having Manning a quarterback that allowed you to talk Emmanuel Sanders into coming to Denver and turning down Kansas City where he was ready to go, things like that. And, you know, so there's there's a lot of credit that goes to Elway. There's also a lot of credit that is recognized that it needs to go to Peyton Manning. And the the folks that dive in that really beat up John Elway right now, not only beat him up for this hire, which we can talk about, but they also beat him up for his draft record. If you go back and look at the, the NFL draft picks that Elway has had this past year, 2018, was the best one that he had had. Um, you know, when he took over the job, he had Von Miller sitting there at the number two overall pick and he was able to take him. And that's pretty easy. That's a no brainer for anybody. But if you look at his draft record, other than that, it sucks. Um, his 2017 draft was absolutely terrible. Um, 2018, he seems to have gotten it right for the most part. Um, but there's still some question marks out there about this. And so able to uh, point the finger at Vance Joseph, which they did, um, and rightfully showed him the door after going 11 and 21 in two years. But there's also a lot of things that John Elway is going to have to get right here, and hiring the next coach is, is just one small piece of it. Interesting. Um, all right, do you have a feel? It's midweek. Who knows what they're going to do? There are eight openings. Nobody at the time we're talking has made the move yet. Do you have a feel if this will be a proven head coach or is this maybe a coordinator again like Vance Joseph was? Do you have any kind of feel of what the Broncos might try to do, Nate? I think they're going to try to get somebody with head coaching experience. Um, that's just a gut feel on my part. Nobody over at Dove Valley has told me that. I just believe that that's what they're going to do uh, is go with the head coaching experience. And, and you know, part of the reason I say that is because if you look over the last, you know, four head coaches right in that range that the Broncos have had, their success came with, albeit they did not, you know, win a Super Bowl, but, you know, they had success when they brought in John Fox after Fox was let go from the Panthers. And they had success with Gary Kubiak, a couple of guys that have had the head coaching experience. The, the problems they've had were when they brought in a coordinator, Vance Joseph and Josh McDaniels. So I think that, you know, if you look at it historically, I think they're going to say we need somebody who has been a head coach before who can sort of be that calming voice within uh, the locker room um, that can command some respect from some of these key veterans that uh, are on this Broncos roster right now. 
Um, and then I think the key is, frankly, what you do from a coordinator position. I mean, I, I think we put a lot of weight in the head coaching position in the NFL, and I understand why. But at the time that they hired Vance Joseph two years ago, I said, I don't give a crap who is the head coach. Who are the coordinators going to be? That's what mattered to me. Um, because those are the guys that ultimately have to implement your game plan and try to make things happen on game day um, as much or uh, or more so, in my opinion, than what a head coach does. A head coach is your CEO. Um, your coordinators are the guys that are boots on the ground trying to make stuff happen going into a particular week, and I think they did a poor job with their coordinators. You know, They started off with two, uh, practically two offensive coordinators, if you will, and Mike McCoy and Bill Musgrave. McCoy was shown the door partway through last season, and Musgrave should have been, um, because his offense stunk. Um, on the defensive side of things, you let Wade Phillips go. I mean, I, I still do not understand that move. So they've just they've done some really weird coaching moves over the course of the last couple of years. Vance Joseph, the, obviously the poster child for it, uh, and the one that was shown the door. But I think they need to clean house completely and take a different approach to what they do coaching-wise. But to me, that starts with, to circle back to your question, they have got to get themselves, I think, somebody that's had the head coaching experience. But the truth is, there's not a lot out there. Voice of Nate Lundy. Love his insight. He's part of Three Dog Thursday here. Nate with MileHighSports.com has been a longtime personality, not only in Denver, but he and I are Fox Sports Radio brothers from another mother from years ago doing national stuff uh, as well. Love the insight here. Okay, so the Chargers were in town and the Chargers locked up a, a playoff spot. We're trying to figure out could they win the West. They did not end up winning the West because Kansas City also won uh, on Sunday. So now the Chargers are playing uh, in Baltimore coming Sunday in the early game. They're a two-and-a-half-point underdog. Uh, that that looks attractive. We're going to talk more about this in the next segment after you depart with us, but give me a little preview. How attractive do the Chargers look to you as an underdog against the Ravens, a team that beat them a couple of weeks ago in L.A.? Well, I, I would say this. I think the two underdogs most likely to win in the opening weekend are the Colts and the Chargers, and the Chargers are my number one choice. I, I have said all season long, that I think the Chargers are the most, I, I think, the most balanced team in the AFC uh, in terms of their talent level. Um, I think they've got a fantastic defense. I think they know how to get after the quarterback. Um, I think Phillip Rivers is woefully underrated as a quarterback in the National Football League, and it's hard for me to say, given that the Chargers are such a big rival for the Broncos, but it's true. Um, I, I think he's so woefully underappreciated uh, as a quarterback. And I think they've got a lot of really good offensive weapons. I like what Anthony Lynn is doing. Um, I, I have thought all along um, they were my pick to win the AFC West at the beginning of the year. Um, and I just think it's because they are such a balanced team. And I think they're going to give Baltimore some problems. I think everything that we've seen out of Baltimore uh, the success that they have had with Lamar at quarterback, I think the Chargers have answers to be able to contain that. And so if I had to pick any of the four underdogs this weekend uh, to pull off the upset straight up um, on the scoreboard, to me it's the Chargers. I think this is a team that is more than capable of doing it, even if they have to go on the road. Um, you know, I know the announcers this past weekend were choking about it during the Broncos game saying, uh, that, you know, the Chargers, because they play in the soccer stadium in Los Angeles, that basically every game feels like an away game for them. And so having to travel to Baltimore is not a big deal. Um, and I actually buy into that. I really think that's kind of how the Chargers look at it, is that they still are, are somewhat homeless. Uh, and so they've been playing a lot on the road. So I don't think having to go to Baltimore is going to be intimidating to them. I do think Lamar is going to pose some problems. But I also think that Anthony Lynn has a very good defensive mind, and I think he's going to know how to be able to contain that 
Uh, and I think the Chargers win on Saturday. And it's a rematch from two weeks ago. And I saw Lamar Jackson and uh, Baltimore at field level with the Buccaneers about a month ago, about four weeks ago. He is obviously dynamic with the wheels, but he's a question mark with having to throw it. So if they're able to contain him some and make him throw it, maybe this is revenge for Rivers and the lightning bolts in this matchup. So you like them for Three Dog Thursday purposes. I want to sneak one more from Nate Lundy from MileHighSports.com. You're a different voice in that you're not in the South. You're not in the Midwest per se. You're in the West. Clemson, Alabama, they're playing all the way out in San Francisco. How much does the West care about this championship game? Because these teams have played each other, and you know this, Nate, three previous years in the college football playoff. Does Denver care? Does the West care? What? Give me a quick read on the Monday night championship game, if you would. No, they don't care. I mean, I'd, I'd be straight up with you. They, they don't care. I can tell you Denver doesn't care. Um, you know, Denver, despite having CU just barely up the road, uh, CSU a little bit north of that, the Air Force Academy down south, Colorado is not much of a college uh, football state. Um, you know, it just doesn't it, it just doesn't have that kind of vibe to it. I grew up in Oregon. I've, I've been a Pac-10, then Pac-12 guy my entire my entire life. Um, and I can tell you that when it comes to the the you know the SEC teams, the ACC teams, um, there's a casual interest. You obviously have college football fans that want to follow it. There are those that you know enjoy seeing what Nick Saban can do. There's also those that like seeing Clemson pull off an upset. Um, but I think that uh, in general, overall, um, you know now that the you know now that you've got the Pac-12 out of it, now that Washington lost to Urban Meyer and Ohio State. Uh, in the Rose Bowl, I think they basically have tuned it out. They've moved on. Um, you know, they're they're ready to get into other sports, or you know, as it, it, is, is the case here in Denver, they're ready to just go up to the mountains and do some skiing and snowboarding, and they could care less what happens next Monday. How about that? All right, I love this perspective. Again, plug away. Where can we hear more of you, your colleagues, and everything you're doing with Mile High Sports? Tell us more about that, Nate Lundy. Well, it's obviously the dot com is the easiest way to find us anytime you want. MileHighSports.com company's been around for 16 years. Uh, I've been lucky enough to be a part of it now for for nearly three, um, and you know just covering what's going on within Denver and around Colorado uh, from the sports scene, uh, from the preps to the pros. We've got all of it. Got guys that have been covering these teams for decades. Uh, and you find all of that at the dot com. Got the mobile app that goes along with it. Just encourage everybody to check it out if you ever want to get the pulse of what's going on uh, in and around Denver. MileHighSports.com is where you find us. I love it from Nick Lundy. Thank you. Happy New Year. It's been far too long since I've reached out to you. Thank you for popping on with me to talk a little Denver sports scene, a little underdogs, and much more. Thank you, sir. You got it. Anytime. Oh, it is that time. The regular season is over. So now it is time to talk postseason and not just postseason football on the field for the NFL, but postseason fantasy football with FanPlayoff.com. And the CEO of FanPlayoff.com is Mr. Rusty Walker, who is back with me. Here's part of the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Happy postseason to you, sir. Hello, TJ. Happy postseason and happy new year to you, pal. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's dive right in. Now is the time. Now now is the go time for fanplayoff.com. You're signing people up as we speak, and this is something different than what they're used to playing elsewhere, whether it's ESPN.com or the NFL.com fantasy game and on and on. Fanplayoff.com, different, Rusty. Tell them more about why. Well, the the reason is is because uh, win or lose, as we know, your fantasy season is, is over. Uh, 
fanplayoffs.com is just beginning. And the reason this is different, once you draft your teams, which is so much fun, you draft your players for your team, and then each week you start your lineup, you put your players in, and you score as many points as you can. Uh, after wild card weekend, you do the same thing the following weekend, uh, set your players and go. What's different about this league is that once you draft your players, those players stay with you throughout the playoffs. So as the teams lose, therefore their players drop off your roster. There is no trades or player pool or anywhere you can bring more players from. So as the playoffs go through, obviously our rosters are declining. And uh, so, and it's a three, four, or five-person game. So if you have a couple of friends or maybe you have four friends that want to play, it gets a little more challenging if you have the fourth team or the fifth team because there's less of a player pool at the beginning. But the, the points accumulate all the way through the postseason. You're not playing head-to-head against somebody every week. It's whoever scores the most points through the Super Bowl, through pro football's biggest game. Whoever has the most points, that's who's going to win your league, right? Right, and that's why it's, it's more fun than ever, uh, even watching the playoffs, because every game means something. And, yes, you're not playing head-to-head, but you're scoring as many points as you can each week, and you get to play all the way through to the end of the Super Bowl, and whoever has the most points wins your championship. Uh, we've been playing this with a group of guys in Tampa for over 20 years, and it is the most fun we have ever had in the whole NFL experience. It's a blast. All right, so let's go over this again. They go to fanplayoff.com, and this is free. This is what we've been touting. It's absolutely free to play. They sign up, and you don't even necessarily have – hopefully they have friends, right, Rusty? Hopefully they have people that want to come in from their league, uh, their postseason uh, version of their league. But even if it's just an individual that's hearing us here on Three Dog Thursday, all they got to do is sign up, and you can join an existing league where there are other people. You'll meet them in a two – uh, in a three, four, or five-person fantasy football league. So we, we encourage them to go check the site out, jump in, and they need to do so, obviously, before these wildcard games begin on Saturday afternoon and obviously Sunday because you've got a chance to sign up and draft and have all of that happen and then uh, watch all these postseason games unfold, right? That's correct. It's, uh, it's, certainly, it's the most fun ever. I tell you, it is important. We need to get in there and get the – your team's created, or like uh, TJ, like you said, TJ, uh, you can join a team. Either way is fun. Uh, maybe take the last three or four uh, top finalists of your uh, fantasy league uh, and play, have a playoff version. Or just grab three or four guys or a couple rivals and start a new league just through the playoffs. Uh, either way is good. Uh, it's a ton of fun. Yeah, there's no doubt. Again, we want them to go to fanplayoff.com to find out more about all of this. You can create or join a league. This will take you about three minutes to sign up, create a league, draft your teams over the course of the next few days. Again, wherever you're hearing us and whenever you're hearing us on Three Dog Thursday, you have to act before the first playoff games begin, obviously. And the draft is everything because that's your roster as long as they last. And Rusty, I love to joke with you. It may come down to the final quarter of the Super Bowl. Sometimes it has to the final series maybe of of the of the biggest game of the year because somebody has the quarterback somebody has the running back somebody else has the defense you're scoring all the way through to the very end the conference championships and the super bowl uh and whoever has the most points it it totals all the way to the end here 
we have seen it. Uh, we've seen big points scored early in the wild card rounds, and obviously the scores are going to decline as you go through the Super Bowl, but you're 100% right. Everybody has skin in the game all the way through the end. You've got a player or two that's going to be significant, either playing for you or against you. So that's why it's the most fun ever. It keeps you in the uh, hunt throughout the entire playoffs, uh, and you're going to have more fun than you ever did. Go to fanplayoff.com, uh, create or join a league, pick your, get your draft together, pick your roster, and, again, have the most fun you've ever had watching the playoffs. Beautiful stuff here. All right, so we are Three Dog Thursday. We love the underdogs in the NFL. If I said to you, Colts against Houston Saturday – in Houston, in Texas, also in Texas Saturday night, Seattle at Dallas, which I'm going to lean heavily on maybe the Seattle Seahawks as my underdog. Uh, then on Sunday, Chargers at Baltimore, which we've already talked about a little bit here. Chargers uh, with a tremendous 12-win uh, season, yet they're a road wildcard team. And then Philadelphia at Chicago. Out of the underdogs, Colts, Seahawks, Chargers, Philadelphia. Do you have one that stands out, Mr. Rusty Walker of FanPlayoff.com? I do. I like the Colts. Uh, what Andrew Luck's done this year is phenomenal. I like them a lot. And uh, I also like the Chargers going into Baltimore. I personally think this is the Chargers year. And uh, so those are my two. All right. Keep an eye on those two road underdogs. Never easy in the NFL, but they're always upsets. They're going to be upsets this weekend and upsets next weekend. Uh, there have been numerous years in the NFL where two or three road teams win either on the wild card weekend or the divisional road, uh, the, the divisional weekend as well as a road team. Let's see if that is still going to be the case for this weekend. All right, one more time. Let's plug away. Where do they need to go and why do they need to act quickly? Go for it, Rusty Walker. You need to go to fanplayoff.com. You need to join or create a league. Uh, draft your players. Set your lineup each week from wildcard weekend through the Super Bowl. Score as many points as you can each week. Have the most fun you've ever had. And go to fanplayoff.com. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. Back in once more here on the only digital radio show that's devoted exclusively to underdogs. And yes, we are already talking some pro football. We've had our previous guests talking about the wild card weekend and which underdogs to watch out for, whether it be Indianapolis, the Seattle Seahawks, the L.A. Chargers, or the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's call back in senior handicapper, and writervegasinsider.com, Kevin Rogers. We got some underdog predictions to make here for the pro football in a couple of moments. But I want to say, I want to ask you first. We didn't get into this in the first segment with you. At the moment, this may change. You may be hearing Three Dog Thursday later in the weekend, and an NFL team has already made a hire or not. Uh, but at the moment that we're talking, there are eight vacancies going back to the in-season moves made by the Browns and the Packers, and the six firing six of them from this weekend in the NFL. Of the eight teams, the buffet is in front of you from Cleveland to Green Bay to Miami to Phoenix to the Jets to the Broncos and on and on. I'm probably leaving one out, my, my Buccaneers and whomever else I left out in the mix of the eight that are there, the Bengals. Um, which one of those to you stands out for whatever reason as the best job? It may not be the first one filled, but which one do you think is the best job and why, Kevin Rogers? I mean, I... 
it's so crazy to say, but I'd have to say Cleveland. You know, when you look at what Baker Mayfield was able to do this year, and uh, the Browns were actually extremely competitive after he came in at quarterback. You know, they're really good defensively. When you look at this division they're in, obviously the Bengals have their issues. They're looking for a head coach. You know, Baltimore, I guess, has their new quarterback with Lamar Jackson. But even the Steelers, you know, with the Antonio Brown stuff, Le'Veon Bell's probably done there. Ben's getting towards the end of the line. The Steelers' dynasty looks like it's crumbling a little bit. And Cleveland can be coming back to the pack here. You know, when you look at Green Bay, obviously with Aaron Rodgers, that's great. But, you know, it it seems like – I don't want to call him malcontent because that's not fair. But it seems like he's a bit of a diva, if, if that's a better word. And, you know, Chicago was obviously much improved. I mean, the Vikings were in the NFC Championship last year. So, yeah, I think that they would, you know, bounce back, even though they had their ups and downs this year. So, I don't know. I just think that the Browns is probably the best job. I mean, obviously, Arizona isn't great. They have a lot of things they have to uh, work on. Denver isn't. But you need the quarterback. And if you go to a team with a quarterback, that makes things a lot better. You know, if you're Denver with no quarterback – you know, I don't know how you think like that's going to be a great job. In the Arizona case, you've got Rosen, and you've got the number one overall pick. You've, you've got a roster, though, that people may be looking at and going, Ugh. I mean, the Jets have Sam Darnold, for example, like you were talking about Mayfield and Cleveland. Fascinating how the NFL is, because if you just said to anybody, to anybody, when the season was beginning, is Cleveland an attractive place to go? Everybody would say, don't ever go there. Don't ever. I mean, Hugh Jackson is the epitome of it. Don't ever go there. But now there are, I mean, Mike McCarthy may take that job. They, they might land a significant coach to go work with Mayfield and the pieces on that roster. We'll see. The NFL, you can be better uh, from one game to the next. All right, so wild card weekend is this weekend. Uh, fascinating that the Colts essentially played their way in on Sunday night, de facto playoff game, and they won against the Titans. How about the schedule maker doing them no favors whatsoever? You're on the road. You're playing Sunday night against Nashville. Oh, go play the first game on uh, on five and a half days rest here against the Houston Texans in Houston. The second game Saturday is Seattle against Dallas. The early games, as I've, I've already mentioned in a couple of our guests, were saying Chargers against Baltimore. That's the early game uh, on Sunday, followed by Eagles and Bears. So, Kevin, where do you want to begin for Three Dog Thursday purposes with an underdog prediction? I'm going to go with the Seahawks on Saturday against the Cowboys. Seattle beat Dallas earlier this season at home, and that was, you know, again, they're playing in Dallas this time around. But a couple things I've noticed. Number one, that, you know, Russell Wilson, for all the acclaim he gets, he's never lost in his career his first playoff game. of the you know, if, it's, if they start in the wild card round or divisional round, he's never that? lost the first game. Yeah. So... He's won on the road a couple times in the wild card. You have that game at Minnesota a few years ago, the Blair Walsh missed field goal. They won at Washington against RG3, the game he got hurt uh, a while ago. That's right. So Russell Wilson has been an exceptional quarterback uh, in the playoffs. Dak hasn't won yet. I know he's 0-1. He lost the Packers a few years ago. But uh, I just think that Seattle with this running attack, it's just been so tough. The defense has come around, and – I'm just going to go with the experience here. I'm going to go with the better coach, go with the better quarterback and take Seattle. All right. And in this case, the Seahawks, something that uh, I think is worthwhile, they are the road underdog. The last three times as a road underdog, they have covered in all three situations, uh, winning the game outright in a couple of those. They didn't win the game with the Rams. They were a significant underdog against the Rams, but they kept it close enough. 
So that that is something of note. Okay, so this kind of factors into what we were talking about with coaching carousel, though, too, uh, recently here and earlier in the show with coaching vacancies. If the Cowboys, who got into the playoffs, winning at the end, went on the run, if they lay an egg here and Seattle beats them, and let's say Dallas looks bad in this game, you know where I'm going. No, Lincoln Riley apparently is not on the table for Jerry Jones, but would Jerry Jones potentially make a move on Jason Garrett and say, you've only you've only gotten us to the playoffs, you've only gotten us so far, we can't get farther with you, we've got to have somebody else? Speculate with me. If it doesn't go well for Dallas Saturday night, and you're anticipating that it won't, could that be it for Jason Garrett? I don't think so. I, I think that it's one of those things, he would have gotten rid of him already, you know, if, uh, if he wanted to. And Garrett's still a cowboy, you know, playing for him years ago in the nineties. So it's still like one of his guys and Jerry's still pulling all the strings. It's not like, I don't, you see, that's why I think Garrett's safe. Cause I don't think that Jerry wants to bring someone in that would challenge him, you know, and Garrett's not going to challenge him at all. You know, Jerry makes all the moves. So I don't really think unless it's totally an embarrassment, I don't think he's going to be let go. Well, let's see. Let's see what Seattle can do in that game. And by the way, for Three Dog Thursday purposes, I agree with you. I am also on the Seattle Seahawks train here. Something about Pete Carroll. Great road team throughout throughout the regular seasons and even on the road. Uh, Nate Lundy was referencing that Super Bowl in New York when everybody had basically anointed Peyton Manning is going to get his Super Bowl, and Seattle destroyed them uh, in that game. They are always ready to go. And I know their defense is not what it was, but it's pretty good. Russell Wilson is still fantastic. I think they're going to find a way here. It's going to be a downer in Big D for the Cowboys and for their fans. Let's find out if uh, if that is, in fact, the case. So you and I agree on that one. That means, all right, for Three Dog Thursday purposes, I've got to come up with one more. And I like the Chargers in this rematch with Baltimore coming on Sunday, the early game at 1 Eastern time. These teams played on a Saturday night Two weeks ago, back a couple of weeks ago, Lamar Jackson's been fantastic as a rookie. All all the talk about those rookies being taken in the top 10, well, there's only one of them that is still playing here in the postseason. It's Lamar Jackson who was taken at the end of the first round, 6-1 and as a starter, uh, played well again in that dramatic win, speaking of Cleveland, against the Browns to clinch the division, clinch the home game, eventually knock the Steelers out of the playoffs. Uh, so Kevin Rogers, I like the Chargers though to come in here in the rematch in the revenge game with Philip Rivers and company. Uh, they they get a chance to pay the Ravens back, and uh, Rivers has got to stay away from the interception. He threw one early in the game, threw one in the fourth quarter of the game against the Ravens. I think he will. I'll take the Chargers to outright win that early game with the Baltimore Ravens. Just assess. I mean the rookie. Lamar Jackson, give me a thought. Is he going to look good in this game with the Chargers, or do you think he's going to struggle in his first playoff game? Give me a give me a hunch. Well, when you go back to that game a few weeks ago, you know the Ravens had some opportunities, and the Chargers shut them down. And unfortunately, just the Chargers ran to a really good Baltimore defense. And don't forget, the Chargers were coming off that Thursday night win over the Chiefs, so you know they were really high off of that win, and they had a bit of a letdown in that Saturday game. And now going cross country, but I don't think it's as big of a deal for them because they've been an excellent road team this year. So, uh, yeah, I could definitely see the Chargers beating them. I mean, obviously, you know, pretty much all these games this weekend are are all toss-ups. You know, I don't think there's any of them 
that they say, oh, well, you know, I'd be shocked if this team, you, you can't be shocked if anybody wins, I think, any of these How games. about the Houston-Indianapolis matchup that will kick it off Saturday? They each beat the other team on their home field by three points. So that's, how do you read that game? And especially with the Colts coming in red hot off of a one and five start to make the playoffs and now having to play at Houston, that that is a really tough one to figure out. You and I stayed away from that game, and I think a lot of people have a, have a problem trying to figure this out right now on who's going to be that. I mean, uh, both. Yeah. I mean, both those teams, TJ, overcoming bad starts. Houston 0 3, Colts 1 and 5, and you kind of say, you know. I guess now you look back and, and you're never really that out of it, you know, in the NFL. I mean, for it seems like, oh, you're running out of time. Really, you can go one and five and win seven straight, and you're back in it's it. Incredible. I mean, look at Carolina. They were they were six and two going to the playoffs, and they lost seven of the last eight. So, you know, things can change that quickly in the NFL. But that first game that they played in Indianapolis, the Texans were a big. The Colts rallied back, and they ended up tying it, forced overtime. And that was one of the odd. You score twice to win in overtime. The, the uh, Texans kicked a field goal, but then the Colts kicked a field goal, then the Texans kicked another field goal to win it. And then uh, you mentioned Indianapolis won the second time around. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Colts are playing really well, but so are the Texans. So right now, you know, it's unfortunate that both those teams came out of big holes, but, you know, it's going to be one game and they're done. Well, and keep in mind, the Texans started 0-3. They won nine in a row. The team that beat them, the Indianapolis Colts, in that game that you're referencing there in Houston. So Frank Reich, the first-year coach, let's see if that defense holds up. Very underrated defense in Indianapolis, too. And Philadelphia and Chicago, the 30th anniversary, Kevin, of the Fog Bowl. They played in the playoffs in 1988 in the Fog Bowl uh, in Soldier Field. I don't know what the weather is going to be for Sunday, if there is going to be fog or not, but they're revisiting that Sunday afternoon. Bears' first playoff game since 2010. Eagles, the defending Super Bowl champs. You know it's going to have massive attention and ratings. Uh, you and I are staying away from Philadelphia as a uh, five-and-a-half-point underdog for this matchup with Chicago, but that one will be fascinating also. And we haven't even gotten to the teams that have the buys, whether it be the Saints and the Rams or over in the, uh, in the AFC, the Patriots and the Chiefs are waiting on the winners. Here we go with the NFL playoffs. Should be, should be an awful lot of fun. All right, so there we go with Three Dog Thursday with the underdog predictions. Again, you and I agree on the Seattle Seahawks, and I will take the L.A. Chargers as my other underdog. We both stayed away from the Monday night championship game with Clemson as the underdog with Alabama in that matchup. So there you go with the underdogs. And Kevin, of course, they can find all kinds of great information on the NFL playoffs, that championship game, Alabama-Clemson, and much more at Vegas Insider. Tell the fans more about it. Absolutely. Now that college football is basically wrapped up, you have Clemson-Alabama that uh, you know we shift our attention to the NFL playoffs. Also, college basketball conference play underway this week. So we're going to have a lot of college basketball meaningful games. No disrespect to non-conference, but we'll now have meaningful games coming up over the next two months going into March Madness. NBA still rolling on, NHL continuing, and uh, still a lot going on in spite of college football being basically done in the NFL down to you know the final what 12 teams left going into the wild card weekend so still a lot to check out vegasinsider.com and also check us out on twitter it's with the eye 
Follow this man as well at V.I. Rogers on Twitter, on social media, at V.I. Rogers. He's a great follow, a lot of fun. Also, follow this show at Three Dog Thursday, where we talk underdogs nonstop on the program and on social media. And, yeah, it's uh, we'll, we'll be talking some college basketball. This show will morph more into a college basketball show in the coming next few Thursdays because the NFL playoffs will dwindle down. Lots of college hoop talks as uh, Three Dog Thursday will continue through the winter months and all the way through March and the Final Four in Minneapolis. Let's see what happens. My thanks to our guest, Nate Lundy with MileHighSports.com. Appreciate his insight on the Broncos situation. He recently saw those Chargers and was making an underdog prediction uh, there as well. Also, Rusty Walker, CEO of FanPlayoff.com. Go sign up right now and play postseason fantasy football like you never have before for free. At fanplayoff.com, draft your team and watch those players go all the way through the postseason, through the Super Bowl, accumulate points for you. It's different than you've ever played it. Get your friends, go play in a three, four, or five person league at fanplayoff.com. It's free. Go check it out. Do those drafts before Saturday and the game's coming Saturday. So enjoy the NFL playoff weekend. Uh, Kevin, thanks. We look forward to the Monday night championship game as well. We always love talking with you with your insight. We will know the final eight teams of the NFL and we will know the college football national champion this time next week. I look forward to talking with you about it then. Thank you, TJ. Appreciate it. There is Kevin Rogers, Senior Handicapper, VegasInsider.com. I'm TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with us. Enjoy the games, whether it be NFL playoffs or the college football playoff title game with Bama and Clemson Part 4. We look forward to seeing what happens and talking about it next week as part of Three Dog Thursday. Bye. This is the Landry Football with Chris Landry. Quick Fix on Radio Influence. It was a surprise to many that Mark Rick decided to step down at University of Miami. A bigger surprise to me that they strike so quickly with Manny Diaz. I can tell you that Mark was the guy that kind of put the impetus on getting Manny the job, who had just taken the job at Temple last week. Not sure that this is this is a sign to me of where the Miami program is. It is um, a shell of itself, um, and certainly not the program that it was and a big risk on Manny Diaz who's very risky first time head coach there which we've seen first time head coaches be really successful but Manny Diaz has been very inconsistent very up and down as a defensive coordinator Um, very young hope that it works out for that program but this has not gone well under Mark Richt Um, I know that was a brief excitement last year of a nice little run, um, and part of it was obviously with Manny being there in the defense. So that led to this decision. Mark ran the offense, but I don't know big picture that this is where it's the best fit for Miami. But it is kind of where they are. It's it's realistic. Of they certainly could get someone more qualified with a better background, a better pedigree. But um, I don't know that they could get someone as big as people might have thought and i think that's part of uh, the problem here chris landry brings you landry football every week on apple podcast stitcher tune in radio google play and of course radioinfluence.com